podcast. I really hope you like it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of my podcast, the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, I really hope you like it. Thanks for joining me today. Super pumped for today's guest, for today's conversation. I'm pumped about it creatively, um, relationally, so many, in all the least, all, all the ways I'm super excited about this. I'm going to tell you what I'm not excited about. Fantasy football, if I can just complain for a second... I lost last week to my former bass player. If you've ever been to a show, his name's Chili. Okay, I didn't officially take the L. Somehow, some way, we ended in a tie. And I'm just going to tell you right now, a tie feels like a loss. And I was winning 191 to 190 all the way until the final seconds of the Monday night football game when... The my quarterback Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball, loses a point, and the game, our game, ends in a tie, one ninety one ninety. And I just had to vent. I just had to tell you guys because the struggle is real. The struggle is real. So Chili out there, he moved to Houston, Texas, and uh, you know, I'm sure he feels the same way I do. A tie. Come on, how do you, how does that happen? So I'm looking to redeem myself. In fact, I'm looking to have a. You know what I need to have? I need to have a guest on the show who knows the NFL. And I think I know who I'm going to call. So stay tuned for that. And when I have that guest on, it will be for one reason only. And that is to get the inside edge so that I can win the fantasy football league and have bragging rights with my entire band and crew. All right. I'm sure that was very useful information for you. And I hope you enjoyed me ranting about fantasy football. Let's get into today's show. My guest today is an incredibly gifted filmmaker with movies that he's created along with his brother like War Room, Fireproof, Facing the Giants, Courageous, Overcomer, Flywheel. Uh, his films have collectively grossed over $190 million worldwide, but that is not why he makes these films. He is passionate about telling stories with his films that point people to Jesus, and he's doing that in a powerful way. He's got a brand new documentary out called Show Me the Father and a 10-year anniversary version of the movie Courageous called Courageous Legacy. We're going to talk about all that stuff. You're going to hear inside the mind of a brilliant filmmaker, but most importantly, a man of God. He loves Jesus and he is using his platform to tell the greatest story ever told one movie at a time. Let's go to the story house with Alex Kendrick. Alex Kendrick, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm so good. Now, it's an honor to be talking to you. Now, I'm watching you. You've got uh, movie posters behind you, which is super cool. You ha you had a professional framer in, I think, because they're they are measured perfectly. They are. Or is that you? So, no, we had some assistants do that. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, we got all I think 7 posters so far and uh this let's see right there. Right now, is the you. frame backwards for you, or is it, or is it? Can you read that correctly? No, I can read it. I in in all its glory, courageous. The movie poster. I just wasn't. Whoever framed those has OCD because those are perfectly measured out, at least <laughs> from what I could see. Well, I, 
you know, I, we need to remind your your listeners too that you helped write the song "Courageous" that became number one with Casting Crowns. It's crazy. It's so cool, and and now we finally get to connect. Do you remember writing that song? Of course with, I do. With Mark, I'll never forget. Yeah. It was actually the first song I ever wrote with Mark Hall from Casting Crowns. We went to this place. Now you're in Nashville quite a bit, right, Alex? Yes. Yeah. So I don't know why we we should have waited till we could have done this in in person, but we'll we'll have to do it again for sure. Um, and you know where we need to go is we need to go to lunch at. Have you ever been to Barbara's Home Cooking? No. All right, Barbara's Home Cooking is this place in Franklin, Tennessee, and the reason why I mention it is because that's the day I met Mark Hall for the first time. He wanted to go to Barbara's Home Cooking. We go to lunch. We met for the first time, and he said. I need to write a song as soon as possible for a movie called Courageous. And I said, okay, what's, what do you want to call it? He said, Courageous. <laughs> and, I said, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, well, when do we need to write it? He said, we need to write it today. And so, <laughs> Are you, so you're telling me that the first day you met Mark Hall was the day you wrote Courageous. Yes, sir. And we had what? just we had just eaten this like now Barbara's home cooking. Just imagine what kind of meal you're eating there and imagine having any energy after that meal. Do you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> <laughs> so, so man, after a couple cups of coffee, we got in and uh, we got to watch the movie Courageous, and it was a tremendous honor to to be able to have such awesome inspiration to write it that's my favorite assignment is show me a movie or a script like and then the chance to try to put some uh, you know musical juice behind it and something that's going to serve the movie well so it's so neat that our paths are are crossing today and it's just an honor to be talking to you because i think you're just a you're a gifted man and the way that you tell stories through your films is an inspiring thing well, thank you. Uh, you are too. Um, I I uh, am excited about Courageous coming back out under the name Courageous Legacy because yes. we added more stuff. But the song's still powerful at the end of it, and love so it. people will hear it again. And uh, I love it. It's an anthem, man. You, you guys wrote an anthem. It's just fantastic. Well, the movie is in its own way an anthem itself. Let's start there since you just brought it up. The t Talk about Courageous Legacy and, and what all of that entails. We're coming up on, or we just crossed the 10-year anniversary for that film. Is that right? Yep, that's when we're re-releasing it. You know, it occurred to us, this, the principles in the movie for dads, just as applicable as they were 10 years ago, of, of, of course. And, uh, you know, there's a whole new generation of dads that now have kids that didn't have kids, you know, if they happened to see the movie uh, 10 years ago. So what we did, we re-edited the movie. It moves a little bit faster. And then we um, put in some deleted scenes that we loved the first time around. Oh, that's didn't have cool. Time to put them in. And then we redid the color, redid the sound mix, uh, uh, bumped it up to its original 4K quality. Theaters back then wanted 1080 or 2K. Now it's everything's 4K. Uh, added some new effects, new shots, and then a brand new ending to the movie that will shock people because we got the whole cast back together 10 years later and shot new scenes. And uh, so the movie will literally say 10 years later, and then you see a whole you know, four or five more scenes and you find out where everybody uh, is 10 years later. So I love it. So this is not just one of those, like, you know, a lot of times they'll take an old album from a band and say, oh, it's been remastered. And it's really just new packaging on an old. This is literally like 
a revamped and re-envisioned. You even talk about adding scenes back in that were deleted. What's that like for you as a creator? Uh, when you see certain scenes that may have been some of your favorite parts that are on the cutting floor, it, that has to be kind of hard when you're making the movie and you have to part ways for one reason or another with a certain scene, right? It is. And so, you know, you write it, you shoot it, you edit it. And then by contract, the bulk of the movie, I'm not talking about the credits, but the bulk of the movie by contract cannot be over two hours. So we just we just couldn't put them in the movie. And so by re-editing the movie, kind of condensing it down a little bit, now you have room for those scenes and for the new ending. And so we love that. We love uh, making it move a little faster and then introducing new stuff. So you'll be watching the movie. It will feel familiar while looking very fresh because it looks a little bit different now. It sounds a little bit different, moves faster. And with these, new, you're going to be going, I don't remember that scene. I don't remember that scene. And so we're just excited about it. We hope it touches a whole new generation of fathers. I can't wait to watch it again. And every, we're going to post a link at the official podcast page so everybody can find it. And, and of course, when they watch it, they'll watch all the way through the credits so they can hear a pretty good song at the end, right? Yeah, so <laughs> September, yeah, September 24th. Uh, so it, about 10 days from now, it comes out. Okay, this is a great place for us to start, too, with Courageous. You obviously, the way that you told that story and the importance of, of men and fatherhood in our culture, and like you just said, I think I think what you said is, is 100% correct, is that here we are 10 years after the release of Courageous, and and the need for fathers to step up is uh, is no less significant and important. I, I mean, there's there's no time in our world where we don't need fathers to be standing up and being the men of God. Uh, they've been called to be the husbands and the dads. It's clear that you have a heartbeat to inspire and challenge fathers, young and old, to step up and do just that. And it shows in your latest documentary that's just come out. And it's, I got to tell you, just watching the trailer was making me tear up. Now, in Courageous, you've written a story, but in, in this new documentary, Show Me the Father, you're telling real life stories of people's experiences with their fathers. And I watched, uh, there was a comment on in your YouTube of the trailer of the movie, there was, I was just reading some of the people's comments just to the trailer. And one lady says, uh, hold on a second. I got to go buy a bucket for all of my tears before I watch this film. <laughs> now, what, what is it? Where does this come from for you? This desire for you to focus in on the importance of fatherhood and tell me about the origins of this for you. Why does your heart beat in this direction so much that you would make courageous? And now this film, show me the father. So uh, first I have six kids I think you have a number. I have, how many kids do you have? Two. You got me beat by four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you won the race. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have six kids. My brother, Stephen, also has six. And, you know, our, we had a great dad who was a chain breaker. What that means is the legacy we had going through my family was not good. The men were not good fathers, alcoholics, you know, unfaithful. And my father was the first one to say, no, I'm I'm not going this route. I want my kids to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And so we didn't grow up seeing a dad looking at pornography, drinking, being unfaithful. We saw a dad striving to honor the Lord. And so, man, I, I'm just so grateful for what my dad did by breaking that chain. It was very hard for him to do that too, because he did not have a good dad. Uh, his, his father, my grandfather, got saved late in his life, like in his 60s, I think. And so very, we're very, very grateful for what our dad um, did for us. He's still here. He's 79 years old. And that's in the movie, Show Me the Father. So a dad abandoning his post 
is like a bus driver jumping out of the bus while it's still moving. Well, what happens to your passengers? They're going to end up in a ditch or worse. And so when the moms are having to reach over, grab the steering wheel and try to be mom and dad. And so it's harder on these precious mothers who are carrying this load. So we want to remind dads that when you love your kids, you're also giving them their first concept of God the Father's love for them. You know, when when a dad loves his kids as they're nurturing, then their first concept of God is that he's there loving, nurturing. When a dad is distant, absent, doesn't care, their first concept of God is he's probably distant, he probably doesn't care. And so uh, it's so crucial that a father understand how important his role is not to diminish the mom, but you know, the mother and dad are like two wings in an airplane. And when the dad is gone, the mom's trying to fly with one wing. So yeah, dad is an important part of what we do. We have an, a, a father figure in every movie. That's one of the things that I've noticed, and I think that's super powerful and something that the viewers pick up on, no doubt. And what's interesting for me is that for the first time, you have decided to make a film in the form of a documentary. Now, I'm a huge fan of documentaries. I'm curious, after releasing a movie like Courageous, and of course, you know any number of movies that you've released have just... It seems like every movie you've put out has prompted this this emotional response from people. I think of uh, sitting down with my family and watching War Room, for example. You know what I mean? Just these these movies of people. It just a spiritual reaction and an emotional reaction and being drawn closer to the Lord or being challenged or being inspired fireproof. I mean, I'm watching, I'm looking at the posters over your shoulder and I'm thinking of the moment when I got to show those films to my family with, which first of all, I should have started just by saying, thank you. Thank you for uh, giving the West family and millions of other families, some films that we can safely turn on and play from start to finish without fear of having to hit the skip button or the forward button for inappropriate parts. So thank you for that on behalf of all the listeners of this podcast who I'm sure are saying amen to that. But after a movie like Courageous comes out, I'm imagining that you get story upon story, like real life story of people sharing their father experience or how your movie helped them begin to uh, step up and be the dad they were called to be. I'm curious if any of the real life interactions with people who've been touched by your movies are serving as inspiration for why you would choose to then go and make a film in documentary form called Show Me the Father. Oh, well, those responses since we first released the movie Courageous have come in like a waterfall. Never a week goes by that we don't hear from some country, some family that says our dad saw this movie and wept at the end, turned to me, apologized for not being there for us, asked God to forgive him, you know, reconnected with our family. Those kind of stories are common. We had uh, in Zimbabwe, we had an entire tribe of men men who were using the money they were earning to go out and drink and do stuff and not taking care of their wives and kids. Somebody took that movie, hung up a sheet and projected courageous on this movie with the subtitles in their language. They wept at the end and all these men said, we have to have a new standard and collectively went to their community and say, we want to commit to this standard. There is a God we're accountable to, and we want to be better men, better fathers, better husbands. Change the whole community in Zimbabwe. We, we had another group in um, Ecuador. Kevin Downs and I got to go to Ecuador when the movie was in o- overseas. The number two guy in Ecuador of their police force. In Ecuador, they do it a little bit differently. We have a, a sheriff for every county. Over there, it's a division of their government, like a military division. I talked to the number two guy, and he said, Alex, I have 1,500 soldiers, or 
uh, police officers we're about to meet, they're going to be in an arena standing next to their wife. Would you come lead them through this resolution? They were in uniform. I went out there. I started crying halfway through it. I would say the resolution point that's in the movie. Yeah, I would say the resolution point in English. He would translate it into Spanish. They would repeat it out loud. After they finished, we prayed. And the wife, I didn't, I didn't expect this. The wives were prepared. They put a medal around their husband's neck just as a show of support to say thank you for standing for this. Man, you, you can't not cry. You know, oh, so gosh. these are amazing stories. And we're praying that the Lord would spark something new, even this time around with a new version of the movie. First of all, that's just, that makes me want to go, you know, well, at least think about running a half marathon. That just fires me up hearing that story. You know what I mean? In my mind, I'm already out running like Rocky Balboa. It just fires me up. What's that? I mean, that's got to be amazing, too. The fact that you just shared that you have a dad who was himself a chain breaker. And now, as part of his extended legacy, and really, you know, these movies are about legacy in a lot of ways, too. That's just an incredible thing to think about, that here's your dad breaking the chains of dysfunction in your family tree and now, as a result of uh, what he's done and how he stepped out in faith, his sons are now creating these these movies, these powerful tools to help other people be chain breakers for their own family. I mean, you talk about the ripple effect that one life choice can make. You're exactly right. You know, when we make poor decisions, the ripple effects go far wider than we want them to go. When we make good decisions, the blessing from that can go far wider than we ever imagined. And so, yeah, our dad is still seeing, you know, he prayed and blessed the three of us sons. I'm the middle of the three sons. Stephen's the younger, Shannon's the older. And he, he's watching us with our you know, we each have half a dozen kids. Shannon has seven, actually. Stephen and I have six. But his 19 grandkids, they're now committing to the Lord, and he's seeing a new legacy, a new ripple effect going. And so you're exactly right. So when a man is committed to the Lord, it's it's incredible what he can do. And so let me let me say this. We're, we've mentioned my dad. Part of his story is in this movie, Show Me the Father. Yes. We're referring to Courageous Legacy and Show Me the yes. Father, two yeah. movies that are yeah. out right now. So Show Me the Father has his story in there, and, and just sum it up, it's five true stories of men with various father stories, some of them terrible father stories, some of them inspirational, and at the end of it, you're going to understand the fatherhood of God more than you ever have. We've already heard a little bit about your dad's story and him being a chain breaker. Now, I'm a huge sports fan, too. So you you kind of got to me right away when I was even watching the beginning of like who some of these storytellers are going to be and how each story is going to point us towards the heart of our Heavenly Father. Is there one story that you were maybe most excited to tell in this documentary or one that you were most fearful of? Or what of this film are you pointing to going, man, that was a moment that was created? Because making a documentary is way different than a feature film, correct? It is. So a documentary, of course, is unscripted. You know, you find these stories and you go find the real people, you interview them, you find out what really happened from their mouth. You shoot B-roll to help tell the story, but we didn't script anything, you know, so we just found the stories and let them tell themselves. So these are five stories. We had nothing to do with the uh, with the actual story. We're just presenting it to you, and they're so powerful. Uh, one of them about Dylan McCullough, a former NFL football player. He was actually one of the coaches when the Chiefs recently won the Super Bowl. His story is jaw-dropping. I mean, I love watching it with an audience because the audience has an audible gasp at his fatherhood story. Another one, uh, uh, Jim Daly, president of Focus in the Family. Yes, I'll yeah. tell you a little bit of his. He he grew up with an alcoholic father who eventually died 
when Jim Daly was very young, when he was older, he committed his life to Christ, became president of Focus on the Family. And when he was going through a really hard time, he was lamenting to God saying, why didn't you give me a good dad? Why didn't you give me that dad that I could call and get advice from? And he was real quiet for a moment. And then he heard a voice in his heart, not audible, but with a tonal quality where God said, haven't I been a good father to you? And he realized, man, God has walked with me, sustained me, protected me, blessed me, you know, guided me to where I am now. But I was, I'm thinking I'm looking for a human when God is the perfect father. I mean, scripture says God will be the father to the fatherless. Just seek him and you'll find him. And Jim Daly said he fell to his knees and wept that God had truly been a perfect father for him. And so I hope that ministers to people, even people that had a poor father, a bad dad. Man, when you watch this movie and you realize God is waiting to step in in an intimate way and be a father to you. I see this play out in my own family where... You know, my wife and I, we come from two completely different backgrounds. You know, I, I've been blessed to have a mom and a dad where it was my dad's dad who was the chain breaker in our family, right? Who was, uh, he was drinking too much. He was, you know, I tell a funny story of how one night he came home drunk and my, my grandma was fed up and she waited for him in the kitchen with a frying pan and smacked him upside the head with the frying pan. Now, when I tell the story from the stage, I say, now I'm not condoning violence, but all I can tell you is that grandpa quit drinking. <laughs> and so, you know, with, because of Jesus and a little help from a frying pan, but in all seriousness, my grandpa decided to start stepping up and answering the call. And he had 10 kids, nine boys and one girl. He gave his life to Christ. He started bringing every one of those 10 kids kids to church in Mason City, Iowa. My dad jokes that the church's attendance doubled the very week that my grandpa <laughs> got saved. But I've been blessed to have a dad who, you know, was blessed by the chain breaker, right? Now, my wife, she comes from a family where she has looked at how she was raised and has much more that she chooses not to repeat. Right. She comes from a dysfunctional childhood. But I will say this, and this is what I've been inspired by. And maybe people listening to this now and, and why I encourage people to go watch Show Me the Father is I have been so inspired by my wife's determination. When we were first getting married, I think subliminally I thought I'll show her how it's done. And I've been so humbled day after day to see almost how when somebody the determination that somebody has in their lives when they came from dysfunction to be the chain breaker, like when you're in the presence of the one who is actually breaking the chain, I've been humbled time after time to think, God, forgive me for thinking I was going to show her how it's done. She's showing me how it's done and she's refusing to let any of those chains stay bound. And it's just an inspiring thing. So when you tell stories like this and show me the father, it is an encouragement to somebody out there who didn't have the right example to say, hey, guess what? If you're looking behind you and you don't see a chain breaker, you could be the one, right? Yep, you could be the chain breaker, and it's and it's hard to do, but man, the benefits of it, the blessing of it is immeasurable. So the Lord can help you. You know, if Peter, as stupid as he was, can walk on water with Jesus's help, then you can be a chain breaker, and it's not going to be easy, but, but I'm telling you, um, what is easy that is truly worth doing, right? Any person that has done anything great 
it was tough for them to get to that point. You know, you don't admire anybody that got to where they are because it was really easy. And so being a chain breaker, what we admire in others is when they navigate hardship and pain and, and they still can transform and overcome depending on the Lord. That's what we admire and that's what chain breakers are. And Jesus says, man, I am here. I'm with you. I will walk with you. I will help you. One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 13, where God says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. So in other words, God wants to be found. He, he's not hiding from you, but he is waiting on you to seek him. Yeah, and it's so ironic because we always focus on two verses prior to that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And some people go, well, that's all great, but how do I find out? Two verses later. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all yes. your heart, man. Miss, this is awesome. I'm, I'm getting fired up right now. The uh, Show Me the Father documentary, after making this film, everybody's going to go watch it, obviously, but how uh, do you see more documentaries in the future of the Kendrick brothers, or is your main bread and butter still the feature films that you're envisioning, you're writing, you're creating, and you're making? Or is it going to be just a continuation of both? You know, I think it's going to be both, but now th there are stories in my heart that the Lord's put in my heart that I want to tell. There are more, you know, stories like a war room or a courageous or, you know, a fireproof that I think that we're supposed to tell. But along with that, uh, we want to use whatever influence the Lord allows us to have to help creativity. You know, uh, we want people to use streaming and episodics and short videos and music and all that other, other type of stuff to, because, you know, it's not just one language, it's a numerous languages of creativity. And so we want to help the next generation nurture that. I'm 50 right now. And so I, I know I have maybe another 10, 15 years of fruitfulness, but that needs to start to become more mentoring and helping the next generation okay. start to blossom. We want to get people to where we are faster. Now, I'm not, I don't want to circumvent life lessons because they need those, but are there things we can help them? So it did, like I, the first movie I made, I was 32. Can someone do it when they're 22? So we want to help the next generation as well, pour into them. I, and, I, and our next movie actually is on mentoring. So uh, that's, that's, we're just passionate about that. So is this something that in your filmmaking, is your art imitating life then? Because you just talked about having this desire to to pour out, to mentor, and now you're talking about a film that's actually going to be on that topic. Is that is that often the case for you? It is. You know, what I don't like doing, and we've been accused of doing, we don't make up miracles for God. We don't say, like even in Facing the Giants, most people don't realize Facing the Giants was based on true events. The reason we don't say true story at the beginning is because we had to take three years and combine it into one year to tell one story in a two-hour period, but all of the individual events in that movie really happened in our community, right? So we, we decided not to say based on a true story because we had to rearrange those events, but all of the individual events happened. We don't make up miracles that God does. We tell stories that we've actually seen around us, the fireproof story, the courageous story, all of those we've seen, all of those things happen as people followed God and seen God come through. And then we take those events and then incorporate them into our movies. 
Hey, I know you probably get this feeling too. It's that feeling of fatigue or just like you're lacking endurance, right? We want to have more energy than we've got. And those feelings can't always be fixed with more and more caffeine. I have tried that path and it doesn't work, right? Especially because the caffeine comes with a crash. Well, introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that give you the energy you need and they're good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats heart chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day, again, without the caffeine crash. Because Super Beats heart chews unique, clinically researched grapeseed extract promote heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle. Plus, they taste delicious, and I'm actually going to demonstrate how you eat one right now. I'm unwrapping it. Here it is. My mouth's watering, actually, as I'm saying it. All right, here we go. I'm chewing it. I'm I'm chewing it and I'm feeling like wings are growing on my back and I and I can fly. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to choke. Okay. Oh, it's so delicious. All right, you're just going to have to take my word for it, but don't take my word for it. Join over 1 million customers and get free shipping free returns, a 90-day money-back guarantee, and 30% off your first order right now at superbeats.com slash west. Do more for your heart and treat yourself with Super Beats Heart Chews. They're delicious. They're good for you. That's superbeats.com slash west for 30% off your first order. Superbeats.com slash west. My friends, your online checking account should not cost you money. All right. That's why Chime, which is an award-winning app and debit card, has no overdraft fees, no foreign transaction fees, monthly service fees, or transfer fees. None of that stuff. They've got over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs at locations like Walgreens, 7-Eleven, CVS, and more. They've got more locations than the top three national banks combined. You can also send money to anyone, even if they're not on Chime. No fees for you and no cash-out fees for them. Doesn't that sound good? Listen, it's time to say goodbye to hidden fees. Join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score. Get started today at Chime.com slash West. That's Chime.com slash West. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bank Corp Bank or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees apply except at MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location at any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Other fees such as third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. So a few nights ago, I was doing a Q&A at a concert. Imagine that, doing a real concert these days. But this guy, a guy named Jim, raises his hand and he says, in February, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He said, in June, I was declared cancer-free. And, you know, the crowd applauded and I sat there and we and we talked and we congratulated. And it was just beautiful. You know, it's just awesome to hear for every need that there is to hear a story of deliverance, of healing and things like that. But God's been convicting me lately because uh, we had a prayer vigil for a gentleman acquaintance in our church uh, here in Nashville. And he's in intensive care in the hospital. And we met with his wife and I led worship and we prayed and people began praying out loud for God to do a miracle. And I asked God to forgive me because my first instinct was to pray for peace 
for his family as he was most likely going to pass away or to pray for comfort. And I started to, I'm like, Lord, forgive me for doubting your miracle working power. Like what, what was it about me? It was, it felt, it was a very much, oh, ye of little faith moment for me of going, why was my first instinct to pray for peace for the wife who was most likely going to lose her husband while other people were praying for God to show up in a powerful way. And it's really been something that's affirming, just making sure that I'm not making God smaller than he is in my prayer life and in your movies. I think that's what, to me, that's what I got when, when I just heard you share about these movies is like, Hey, look, you're just telling true stories of miracles you've seen because God still is a God of miracles, right? He is. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, I've learned to pray for miracles. Now, again, I don't treat God like a genie in a bottle because he's not. He's not God. Neither is he my employee. God is not my employee, but he is God and he loves it. So just like as a dad, I love my kids. There are some things my kids have because they ask me for it that otherwise they wouldn't have gotten them. Now, I don't always say yes, but let me remind you of something. The answer for my kids is always no until they ask. It's always no. Now, can I still say no when they ask? I can, right? But because I love them, there are times that my kids will ask me for something, and I say, you know what? The answer is yes. And there are times I've asked the Lord for things, for miracles, and he has said yes. Now, there are times he says, no, that's not my will. I've got something else in mind. But you know what? That's why even in Facing the Giants, we say we praise him when we win. We praise him when we lose. But we're going to ask. Wow. Because the answer is no until we ask. And so, the you know, not getting a miracle is not going to be there because I didn't ask. Man, that's so good stuff. I, I have seen miracles in my family, all the way through my family. Now, the Lord sometimes has said no. But you know what? He's still God. He's still on the throne. And I'm still going to worship him. That's powerful. Alex, do you feel like you've blazed a trail in terms of, you know, faith-based filmmaking? I, I know there's some that have gone before you, obviously, but I, it just feels like there was such a breakthrough when your films hit on the scene. And I'm curious, like, how much, you know, you talked about earlier, like, is anything easy, you know, anything worth doing is not easy. I'm paraphrasing what you said, but we talk about that, right? Your career and your ministry and your vision to create these films had to come with tons of obstacles and opposition and probably still does to this day. But can you just talk about the beginning and what you faced and what you felt like you came up against? What giants did the Kendrick brothers come up against in order to begin creating the films that you knew God had called you to make? God has put these stories on our heart. Initially, I I didn't know if we could make them well enough to ever be seen in a movie theater. We did not have film degrees. We had never been on a movie set before. We made the first movie, Flywheel, intended for our community just as a local outreach. And the Lord exploded it. It sold over a million DVDs, and we were astonished. And then we made Facing the Giants again with church members, just church members. The whole thing was a $100,000 budget. You know, and so um, we made it, and Sony picked it up. And I was—I asked Sony, this is how stupid I was at the time. They said, what do you want to do? And I said, can we put it in theaters all over Georgia? 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Like uh, 40 <laughs> theaters over Georgia. That would be so huge to me. And they said, why not the nation? And I just kind of looked at them like, is that is that possible? That's awesome. So they released it. And, you know, and then uh, as, as we kept going, we would ask God, what do you want us to tell next? The, we'd look around for what God was doing, incorporate those true life stories. But the Lord would always give us a theme for Fireproof. It was marriage. Yes. Um, for a war room, it's prayer, you know, and and this is how God works sometimes. War room, he really tested me. He would wake me up in the middle of the night. I had these visions of this woman praying in her prayer closet. I'm thinking, this is not, this is not a movie. This can't be a movie. So Stephen and I prayed about it. The Lord kept pounding on my heart. You know, I was asking God what he wanted me to do. He was telling me, and I was like, surely that can't be it. So we're, we're sitting in Culver City, California at Sony's offices, 12 executives around the table. They said, what's this next movie about? And I said, well, it's about an elderly lady's prayer closet. <laughs> one, of the, one of the executives says, prayer closet, is that a thing? Oh, wow. And I said, well, I said, well it is. And he said, yeah, well, so, so prayer's not sexy. Closets aren't cinematic. We don't think you should go this direction. And I was questioning. I was like, God, are you really telling me to make this movie? But Stephen and I determined if the Lord says that we're going to do it, so we made the movie. We were questioned the entire time. When War Room comes out, it becomes number one at the box office. Come on. That's we awesome. made it for three million. It does 68 million. And so Sony calls me up and they said, We do not understand. Oh, by the way, one of those people around the table came to us later and accepted Christ because they said there's no other explanation because this doesn't fit any formula we've ever had. What, tell me about your God. And they are now a Christian. But, you know, I see God saying, you honor me and I will honor you. And so it's hard for us sometimes because the Lord stretches our faith with every movie. But man, I want to be on this journey. This is where I want to be. If I want to see God part the Red Sea in, in today's terms, and uh, he's doing it. And that's that's the path we want to be on. Is it getting harder than ever before to, to make a film... You're clearly doing it, obviously. I mean, I, w I was going to ask you, and you already answered it, about, like, I wondered what kind of doubters or questions, or I call them dream crushers, but I'm imagining you in Hollywood pitching an elderly lady's prayer closet. I'm thinking, this is the world of Marvel and all these Avengers movies or whatever. But I, I'm wondering, are you sensing that it's getting harder and harder to be able to make a film that is unapologetically biblical values and pointing the Christian family towards Christ. What does it look like right now to be in your chair, making the films that you want and trying to tell the stories you want to tell? What does it look like? So we have two films, Show Me the Father in theaters now, Courageous Legacy, about to come out on September 24th. After that, we've already shot our next movie. We've already shot. It is a true story of an 18-year-old girl who rolled off the abortion table at the last second. And she decided she was going to place her child for adoption. She was 18, couldn't take care of it. She placed him for adoption. He was adopted by a Christian couple who could not have their own children. 19 years later, that young man got to cross paths with his biological mother. And she thought he would hate her. And he wrapped her up and loved her and, and just said, thank you, and wept. She melted and said, why don't you hate me? And he said, you let me live. Look at my family. Look at my life. And Ooh. she came to know the Lord as well. And so we made that into a feature film that's going to come out in 2022. But distributors don't want to touch it. 
Really? Because it is pro-life. Yeah, they don't want to touch it. Across the board. It, well, well, there's one that's considering it, but most of them say we can't touch this. It's pro-life. We can't touch this. And I just thought, wow. So we said, Lord, you are in control here. This is a story where you get the glory. And we're telling the story as it happened. We're not writing this. You know, and so we're just going to, this is a true life story. We're just telling it as it happened. How can you argue with what really happened? So, and we're doing it in love. It's not an in-your-face movie. We're just telling this beautiful story. And so we're going to let the Lord get the glory for whatever happens. And so we're in the editing phase on that now. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. But so, yes, there is opposition. Yes, there are people that don't, uh, don't stand with us. But you know what? Ultimately, you could say this too, Matt. God is our manager, ultimately. God is our manager. And, and when he tells us to do something, we're going to do it and leave the results up to him. Yeah, I loved what you said earlier. He's not our employee. <laughs> he's, right, he's, he's not. He's in control. And when we step out in obedience, and you know what? I just, I'll just i distribute the film for you. Okay, Alex? I'm in. That's right. I'm in. What's it cost? What does it cost? 20 bucks? 30 bucks? I, I got you, man. I, uh, I was asked to write a song for the film Unplanned, which caught a ton of, everybody who was involved in that film got in a ton of hot water for that and myself included writing the song but it was a similar moment of going hey am i willing to let my songwriting voice i you know i sing about jesus all day long that's what i spent my whole life doing and you know when it comes up against topics that are not popular in the world you know am i still willing to stand up and use my voice to tell the story of the unborn and i i had that i couldn't shake that feeling of going i want to stand before the lord and hear him say well done and if i shy away from assignments like that then then how can i expect uh to be able to stand before the lord and hear him say well done so i'm super inspired by the fact that you're going all right no distributors are saying yes. We're going. We're making this because That's we right. and you've seen God show up and do miracles time and time yeah. again. I mean, an elderly woman in a prayer closet, and everybody's like, that ain't gonna sell. <laughs> 68 million. <laughs> so I love that we just got a sneak peek of your upcoming film, too. So I feel like we're kind of getting a little bit of the inside track. Can we end at the beginning? And can I ask you one more question, Alex? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I love to ask every single guest, and it doesn't always naturally come up in the context of the conversation we're having, but you did share about how your dad was a chain breaker. And one of the questions that I ask every guest is because I love hearing everybody I talk to share with me about maybe a defining moment where their faith in Christ became more than just something they were witnessing in the peripheral, but it became real to them. And I describe it in terms of the blue couch story. As a 13-year-old kid, I sat down on a blue couch in the living room of my uh, childhood home in Chicago, and I was a preacher's kid who thought he'd get to heaven because he was in the family business. But I accidentally stumbled across a Billy Graham crusade, and that was just a moment. My mom sat down next to me, and I remember, I remember the sights and the sounds, and just as I am in the background, and I remember my mom and the laundry basket and taking her hand and asking Jesus into my heart. And I love remembering that moment because there's a, there's just a, a beauty in returning to our first love. And so with that, I want to ask you if you'd be willing to go back to a moment in your life where you thought, okay. Jesus is real. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Yeah, so the first time I prayed the prayer, my father was a minister. So the first time I prayed the prayer, I was six years old. Now, of course, you have limited understanding when you're six. It's the faith of a child. And I did mean it, so that was the first time. But what I'm going to point to is a time in high school. It is 
even though I grew up in a Christian home and I had good parents, as I told you, my dad was a chain breaker, so he stopped all the junk coming into the family. And so I'm so grateful for that. Mom was a school teacher, dad became a minister. Very grateful for that. But when I was in high school was the first time I got to the point where I realized I am capable of any sin that anybody else does. If I am in the right circumstance, pressed by the right people, influenced by the wrong thing, I can do just as dumb a thing as any, any of my peers in high school were doing. And when I came to that realization, I fully understood why I, separate from being in a good family, separate from having Christian parents, I needed a savior. And it was in high school that I did what I would call uh, surrender. I already believed in Jesus, believed he was son of God, died on the cross for me, rose from the dead. But I said, Lord, you have my life. You take my heart. You take my life. I am yours. Whatever you want me to do is what I want to do because I need you. I'm not good enough. I'm going to do dumb things if left to myself. And it was that realization that I'm just as capable as anybody else of doing anything stupid. And so I helped me stop judging, Gosh, you know, because yeah. I realized, man, you put me in the wrong circumstance for long enough and I'm going to start to sway. I said, Lord, I need you. And so just that realization was humbling. The Lord, you know, smashes my own pride, thinking I would never do those dumb things. I'm from a Christian family, you know. So, yeah, that, that was in high school. That's where my mind goes. Like that prayer, you know, thank you, God, that I am not like other men. It's like <laughs> all it takes is a couple of guys like you and me going to high school and college to realize how dumb we can be. That's right. right? That's right. <laughs> and like you just said, that simple prayer of, of, Lord, I need you, and understanding what kind of heavenly father we have. And these movies that you're making, Alex, it's just awesome how it's impacting people's lives. It's so inspiring. And to be able to hear you talk a little bit about different films, how they were made. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing I'm thinking about now is everybody listening to this, the next time they watch a Kendrick Brothers film, if they're anything like me, they're going to be wondering what scenes were deleted that had to get so that the film could be two hours long. Yeah. So, now, so now people can go, they can check out Courageous Legacy and they won't have to ask that question anymore, at least in one of your films, which is really cool. But uh, I'm going to encourage all the listeners to go check out Show Me the Father, this powerful powerful documentary and also the courageous legacy and i'm just excited to see what films continue to come out of your heart the stories that god's put on your heart and nothing's going to stop you from making them so uh i just love the obedience that you have and uh who knows maybe we get to work together one of these days that would be awesome great to talk to you matthew thanks for, so much for having me on alex keep up the great work appreciate it man thank you matthew good to see you Okay, now it's time for Songs from the Storyhouse. And today's song from the Storyhouse, we're going to revisit a song that's been featured actually one year ago in the same month of September. And there's a reason why I want to shine a light on it all over again. The song is Too Young, Too Soon. Hey there, Sam, that sure was some smile on your face. Standing on the stage in the fifth grade Christmas play You were everybody's friend and nobody's enemy But there were storm clouds deep inside you Nobody else could see what was really going on And now we can't believe you're gone Too young, too soon This world lost you Hearts break in two Too young, too soon 
September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and this song tells the story of one of my daughter Lulu's classmates who was battling with depression and took his life. Here we are, a good Christian family with kids going to a good Christian school, and yet right in the middle of that, there's still real brokenness. And as a result of of Sam taking his life, there was so much sadness around this tragedy and I watched a community rally around this boy's family and the entire student body rally around each other and it was a a really beautiful display of God's faithfulness even in the middle of brokenness and things happening that we just cannot understand the why and so simply put I just wanted to revisit this song today in honor of September being Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And maybe just as you hear the words of this song, it can just be a reminder to check in on somebody. Um, Never underestimate the power of you caring, the power of you asking, hey, how are you? The power of your kindness, how a small act of kindness, how reaching out, checking in with someone might make all the difference, and it might even save a life. Take a listen to the rest of this song, and uh, let's be kind to each other, okay, guys? They say everybody's fighting a hidden battle of their own, and I fought my own enough to know it's true. Sometimes lonely makes it hard to see That you're really not alone We would have gladly stood beside To fight your fight with you But now we ask God why I never thought we'd have to say goodbye Too young, too soon This world lost you Hearts break in two too young, too soon, too soon. Too soon. 
he's my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why today's last segment of the show, you know what it's called? It's called Dad Advice. And I love this theme music that's going to play right now. He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Advice. Dad, you've got your own theme song. How's that feel? Yeah, I, I like it. It makes you feel very important. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to wear this theme of what if out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're going to milk I it like for it. all it's worth because I think it's an important reminder week after yeah. week. And the Bible has much to say about how to live a no-what-if life. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about what if I seize the day. And our key verse, Psalm 90, verse 12, teaches to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Uh, like you said, we're going to wear out uh, What If, and your song and video is so powerful, and your video teaching series is powerful. The words, I'm going to dream a little bigger, burn a little brighter, stand a little taller, closer to your fire, dig a little deeper, reach a little further, love a little harder. The word seize means to take hold of suddenly and forcibly, to take an opportunity or initiative eagerly and decisively. One of the great stories about seizing the day is about a coach who is now deceased, but it, his name is Jim Valvano. And he led the North Carolina State University to a national championship, and then cancer developed in his lower back. He was invited back to speak to the university squad after he had gone through cancer, and he was giving inspirational speeches. And 10 months later, he died. But here's what he said to those players. And again, uh, he was a tremendous coach, and they, they won the national championship uh, as underdogs. He said, life changes when you least expect it. The future is uncertain, so seize this day. Seize this moment and make the most of it. He was famous for the speech at the ESPY Awards, never give up, never give up, never give up. Jim Valvano was saying, life offers windows of opportunity. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Do your best to seize these windows. And so let's look quickly at the window of opportunity. What is a window of opportunity? It's a favorable opportunity for doing something that must be seized. The time during which there is a chance to do something. So we need to grab a hold of windows of opportunity because they might not open up again. Two key takeaways from windows of opportunity. Windows of opportunity are short periods of time within which a key decision can be made that will produce a desired outcome. Windows of opportunity are often fleeting, and if the window closes before the decision is made, it may be lost forever. And the most important window of opportunity will be offered during our lifetime is the opportunity to make Jesus Christ Lord of our life. There will be opportunities to do all kinds of things, but the most important opportunity, window of opportunity that we need to walk into yeah. is to give our lives to Jesus Christ. And here's a good quote. The best way to seize the day is to reach out with one hand while keeping the other firmly in the master's hand, mm. keeping him as the center of your life. Only he can provide the direction and courage you need. 
Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. And in light of this, we need to evaluate our lives. We need to say, Lord, am I missing the opportunities you have for me? Here I am. I give you my life and let me dream bigger and burn brighter. Well, that example of Coach Jim Valvano is just a great example as well that, you know, here you think a guy's greatest legacy is going to be you know, national championship, great coach. But, you know, what? when you turn on ESPN annually, there's a huge fundraiser raising millions yes. upon millions of dollars. And his greater legacy, arguably, actually came from what looked like an obstacle was really a window of opportunity. Yeah. And he saw it as, I mean, the power of perspective in this life and the realization that God does work all things for the good, which means every single thing in your life is a window of opportunity for God to do amazing yes. things through you. And yes. if you need, you know, an example, that's a great example of that coach who's diagnosed with cancer, his coaching career done. Yes. But his opportunity, what a new window of opportunity that opened up for him to be a positive example in the world. So even if you're facing an obstacle today, I know it might sound easier said than done from where we're sitting. I don't know what you're going through or what your obstacle is, but I just want to challenge you to spend time with the Lord and ask him how maybe even this obstacle is a window of opportunity for him to use you in a great way and increase your know what if legacy so thanks dad thanks Matthew hey thanks for joining me today that is our show I want to thank my guest Alex Kendrick for joining me for letting me pick his brain and learn more about the filmmaking process and we are going to post links to all the films we talked about at matthewwest.com slash podcast. Be sure to check out the latest, the documentary, Show Me the Father. You will not be disappointed. It's incredibly moving. I want to thank, uh, speaking of fathers, thank you, Dad, for joining me for Dad Vice, always with a great message of encouragement. If you need more encouragement like that, visit our ministries page at popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E. When you go there, you can uh, send us a prayer request, and we'll have thousands of people lifting you up. You can sign up to receive a free weekly devotional called Day One Devos. Every Thursday, you'll get an email to help you have a, a daily quiet time with the Lord. Those are just a couple of the things that our ministry does. The heartbeat of our ministry is to help you learn how to craft, share, and live a more fulfilling story with your life. You heard Alex and I talking about the power of of our stories and God at work through our stories. Well, guess what? God is at work in your story too. When you go to popwe.org, you can actually watch videos. You can read stories. People, everyday people, just like me and you, who've seen God work in extraordinary ways in the stories of our lives. So go to popwe.org today to check it out. Thanks for joining me today. And remember, you get one shot at this life, all right? No regrets, no what ifs. It's your story for his glory. Seriously, I, I, I do.